Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, I can officially say Merry Christmas now. And this week, we are beginning a series we're calling The Wonder of Christmas. Over the next four weeks, we're going to explore the hope, peace, joy, and love that come through Jesus. We begin with hope. And I want to ask you, what do you hope for? Maybe it's that family will all make it home or get along this holiday season. Next year will be different or better. Your relationships will improve or you'll find the relationship your heart desires. Your career starts its upward climb or stops its downward spiral. To get into your your college of first choice. Or maybe that your life will have greater significance and purpose in the coming year. Hope is the expectation that with fill in the blank, I will be satisfied or complete. If only this event happens, if if only I had that possession, if only they would fulfill my expectation, if only I were in this circumstance or place, I would be satisfied. I would be complete. We often tie hope to optimism. We say an optimist is hopeful while a pessimist is hopeless. We tend to use both as synonyms, but they're really not. Optimism is defined as anticipation for the best possible outcome. Hope is defined as wanting something in particular to happen or to be true and believing it can and will make your life better. Now, Many philosophers in the ancient world did not regard hope as a virtue. They concluded that there is no reasonable basis for hope, and and therefore to live with hope is to live with an illusion. But hope is essential to life. Why? Because you can't live without it. Professor Lewis Smead said, hope is to our spirits what oxygen is to our lungs. Lose hope and you die. They may not bury you for a while, but without hope, you are dead inside. He says the only way to face the future is to fly straight into it on the wings of hope. Hope is the energy of the soul. Hope is the power of tomorrow. A Christ-centered hope is the confidence that because of God's past actions and trusting him in the present, I will experience his goodness now and in the future. And that's the wonder of Christmas, the promise of hope. As I began to think about this talk and, and was looking at what scripture has to say about hope, I was struck by one phrase. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. What? Against all hope, in hope believed? It sounds a lot like wishful thinking. Like the odds are stacked against me, but I'm going to hope for 
fill in your blank anyway. I think of Rudy Rudiger, who had a dream to play collegiate football for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. At five foot six inches and weighing in at 165 pounds, he falls in this category of the odds were stacked against him. The average size of a starting offensive lineman in college football is six foot four inches and weighing 309 pounds. But he made the practice squad as a walk-on. And in the final game of his senior year, he was put in at the end of the game. In the last play, he sacks the quarterback and he's carried off the field on the shoulders of his teammates. Against all hope, in hope, he believed. But to understand Paul's reference, we need a little background. When the acts of creation were completed, God gave Adam and Eve free reign over everything with only one restriction. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they did. And sin entered the human experience, breaking the relationship between God and the imago Dei, man and woman created in his image. But God wasn't going to leave it like that. He began his pursuit to restore that broken relationship. And it started with Abraham. God told him to, to leave the life he had established and to go to a place that God would lead him. No final destination was given, just go. That's a big ask. And Abraham does. He packs up everything and begins a journey to somewhere. He's promised by God that he would become the father of a nation and that the families of the earth would be blessed through him. That's a big promise. You can read the story beginning in Genesis 12 and all its twists and turns. And I have to believe along the way, Abraham thought, I hope I wasn't just hearing things. I hope I wasn't wrong to leave. Because here was his challenge. Abraham was not in what we would consider the prime of his life. He was 75 years old and childless. He was given a promise that by all accounts and reasoning looks improbable and impossible. How would a childless man father a nation? My family was just together for Thanksgiving and I imagined my parents, both age 79, announcing to the family at the table over plates of pumpkin pie, everyone, we're going to have a baby. God's promised us. I mean, that's insane. It's irresponsible. It just feels so weird. Fast forward 10 years after God's promise to Abraham. He's still childless and asking God, I thought you said I was going to be a dad, have a family of my own. Have you been there with God? In the place of waiting, your, your patience waning and wearing thin and, and ready to give up or make something happen yourself, ready to take control. God, you made me a promise and now is the time to make good on it. I have. I experienced several difficult years that began with some painful endings. I was reading through the book of Job one day and, and God made me a promise. 
after all Job had gone through and lost his, his family, his possessions, friends, his prominence, we're told the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. I felt God promised me that day that if I held on to him amid a dark, challenging season of life, he would be faithful to bless what's ahead of me. I believed in that promise so much, I had it tattooed on my arm. But what followed was waiting, nothing changing, impatience growing. Quite a few conversations with God that began with, hey, just to remind you, you promised me. Waiting is hard, isn't it? I mean, who are my impatient people? I mean, speed means everything to you, whether it's cars or your internet, everything has to be fast. You read the last page of a book because you have no patience to read the whole thing. You're frustrated when Amazon Prime can't even deliver the next day. Our culture has promoted the belief of instant gratification and we've bought in. We can't even wait for God sometimes. Abraham and Sarah, his wife, had been hoping in God's promise, but after 11 years of waiting, they're still without a child. And herein lies the struggle. What do you do when hope goes unfulfilled? What's your response? Maybe you're tempted to give up. You've lost the hope that was inside of you and, and decided this just isn't going to happen. It's been so long and, and so much has happened. You feel defeated and, and disillusioned. You buy into the lie that God didn't really promise you. He doesn't care for you or he's just forgotten about you. Or maybe you take control. If God's not going to do it, you will. You're done waiting. He's had more than enough time and, and opportunity. This needs to happen and now. So you lean into your financial resources. You, you have the capital available and are ready to spend it. Or maybe it's your knowledge. You have the, the education and, and the intelligence to figure out a solution. Or your connections. You know the right people who can make it happen and you won't hesitate to pull those strings. That was Sarah. She took control. Genesis 16 tells the story. She tells Abraham, it's God's fault. He's prevented her from having her children. So here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna have a child with my servant and we will make this happen. I'm done waiting. And he listened. He went along with it. Abraham gave up. And he became a father to Ishmael with Hagar. 13 years later, at age 99, God appears to him again and repeats the promise. You will be a father to many nations and I will give you a son. Abraham's response? <laughs> he laughs and mutters under his breath, I'm almost 100 years old. And Sarah's 90, so that ain't going to happen. He tells God, we're good. We took care of it. I've already got a son, Ishmael. 
God's response? Yes. Yes, you do. But my promise was to you through Sarah, your wife, not Hagar. God doubles down on the promise, making a covenant with Abraham. And a short time later, Abraham is is visited by three men who tell him, within the year, Sarah will be pregnant. She hears this, and now she's the one laughing in disbelief. (laughs) Ain't no way that's going to happen. 25 years ago, maybe. Now, no way. She had lost hope. But God asks one of those questions that just hits you hard. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, here's what's so encouraging about this. Even though, just like Abraham and Sarah, you may doubt, become discouraged, want to give up or take control, God will always be true to his promise. If you have ever been told by a church or believed about yourself that because of something you've done or didn't do, you've messed up God's plan for your life, that that he's going to take back what he promised, look at God's response to Abraham. God didn't nullify the promise he made because they had lost their hope or acted on their own, and he won't with you either. Did Abraham have issues he had to deal with and and consequences in his life because of his impatience? Yes, and maybe you do too. But God keeps his promises. What's the promise God has made to you that, that you've been waiting on? The one you're about ready to give up on or to take control of? The one you've lost hope in? Is anything too hard for God? Too impossible or improbable? Abraham, at 100 years of age, and Sarah at 90, have a son, Isaac. 25 years of imperfectly, impatiently, by their fingertips, holding on to hope. But God did not revoke his promise, and hope was fulfilled. You see, Christian hope is based on a promise given. And through Abraham, God was once again bringing the promise of hope to the hearts of humankind. A hope that keeps you moving forward through dark seasons. A hope that keeps you focused in the fog of uncertainty. A hope that is not dependent on your successes or derailed by your failures. A hope that looks forward with confidence, believing in the one who made the promise. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, this is not the story of baby Jesus. What in the world does this have to do with Christmas? Everything. The first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, begins with the family tree of Jesus. Listen to what Matthew writes. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Matthew goes on listing name after name, ending with, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. 42 generations are listed, a couple of thousand years. 
All of it began with a promise to a childless man that the nations would be blessed and ends with a baby born in a stable. Hope was what the angels sang about to the shepherds in the fields and what the shepherds came to worship. Hope is what brought the Magi who traveled so far. It's a story of hope because it tells of the coming to earth of the one who is our hope, Jesus. We live in a world broken by sin that desperately needs a light of hope. God loved you so much that, that he sent his son to make it possible to, to once again be in relationship with him through Jesus' birth, death, and his resurrection. Hope begins by being reunited with God. And once you are, hope spreads to all areas of your life. In the well-known Christmas carol, O Holy Night, there's a line that says, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Have you felt weary any time recently? Have you felt like hope has been hard to find or hold on to? Your career hasn't gone the way you wanted. Your finances, your, your marriage, your family, your, your friendships, your business plan was sideswiped by a pandemic. But it isn't just you. Over the last 20 months, anxiety and depression increased by 400%, with some data suggesting one in four adults ages 18 to 24 have considered suicide. Alcohol sales were up 55%. Opioid overdoses increased in 30 states. Domestic violence increased nationally by 20%. We lost hope in political leaders and in religious institutions. And, and don't even get me started on the news where it's impossible to keep from being sucked into the hopelessness and chaos that seems to surround us. The world is weary. But there is a thrill of hope. J. Kim writes in his book, Hope, An Expectant Leap. This is what Christian hope looks like. It doesn't ignore fear, anxiety, and doubt. It confronts them. It holds steady, clinging to peace in the midst of chaos. Through life's many treacherous storms, Christian hope is anchored by something greater that has happened and something greater that is going to happen again. The writer of Hebrews uses this metaphor of an anchor as he reflects on the story of Abraham and the promise of hope for us today. He says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. God's promise was guaranteed. It was never in question. He cannot lie. He, he can't violate his very nature. 
And considering God's nature, we can take hold of the hope set before us as heirs of that promise, which is the person and work of Jesus, the gift of salvation, the forgiveness of your sin through the cross by his grace and and life in the kingdom of God. Paul said in his letter to the Galatian church, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We wait like Abraham waited, believing and trusting God. And this hope is an anchor for the soul. Anchors were, were common figures of hope in the ancient world, especially in the early church. In early Christian iconography in the Roman catacombs, an, an anchor is often found on the tombs of Christians as a symbol of their, their firm hope in eternal life through faith in Jesus. You see, the hope you have in Jesus is not just wishful thinking. Hope is faith and trust that the God who sent his son to be born in a stable and later raised him from the dead is now alive in you and accomplishing his promises to you. It's an expectation, an anticipation of, of something spectacular, salvation from sin and eternal life. It's a confident expectation in the promises of God. It's hope for the impatient and the impulsive, the hopeless and the helpless. It's a hope that meets you in the everyday ordinary and in the beyond your ability. This is the wonder of hope. But if you haven't placed your faith in the person and work of Jesus, don't let this Christmas go by without receiving that thrill of hope. So a couple of questions to leave you with. First, where or in whom have you placed your hope? That with whatever you fill in the blank, you will be complete or satisfied. Second, is that hope something you can anchor your life to? Something you can count on no matter what tomorrow brings? Something that will never change? And lastly, What keeps you from fully placing your hope in Jesus? Where have you grown tired of waiting, taken control for yourself, or simply given up? Can you rest in the words of Paul? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, my prayer is is twofold. That first, those who who have a relationship with you, are on a journey with you, Lord, who are are leading a Christ-centered life, that whatever season of waiting they may be in, wherever they may have grown impatient, wherever they may have grown tired, that that a hope straight from your heart would fill them right now a confidence, a trust in your promises. And Lord, for for those who are watching right now who maybe have not begun that journey with you, have not placed their faith in the person and work of your son, 
that this would be the Christmas season, they find an everlasting hope that is beyond any hope they have ever looked to find here in this life. May we find it in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.